Indeed, all praise is due to Allah, and as such, we should praise Him, seek His help, and seek His forgiveness. And seek refuge in Allah from the evil which is within ourselves and the evil which results from our deeds. For whomsoever Allah has guided, none can misguide. And whomsoever Allah has allowed to go astray, none can guide. And I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the last messenger of Allah. Inna asdaq al-hadithi kitabullah wa khayru hadi hadju Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa sharra al-umuri muhdathatuha wa kulla muhdathatin bid'ah wa kulla bid'atin dalala Indeed, the most truthful form of speech is the book of Allah. And the best source of guidance was the guidance brought by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the worst of all affairs are the innovations in religion. For every innovation in religion is cursed. And all cursed innovation lead to misguidance. And all misguidance leads ultimately to the hellfire. Brothers and sisters, today, on this Jum'ah, this khutbah, I would like to focus on the concept of Islam being a way of life. We hear it all the time. Islam is a way of life. Meaning what? Meaning that it is supposed to guide all aspects of our lives. It determines how we should function. The decisions that we make every day should be guided by the teachings of Islam. This is a way of life meaning it's connected to all aspects of our lives. We live it. We live Islam. It is not just a set of rituals that we do at certain times, in certain seasons, in certain places, but something which is with us 24-7. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, it is always with us. As long as we are conscious, as long as we are aware of the world around us, we're not in a coma, we're not asleep, then we are required to perceive that world 
to look at that world, to understand that world, to operate within that world in accordance with the teachings of Islam. Islam is a way of life. And this is something that the West just cannot grasp. It just sticks in their throat. Religion is supposed to be something you keep in your back pocket. For special occasions you take it out. And the rest of the time you put it away. So this Islam 24-7 is just something, it is extreme. In their mind that means extremist. Islam is just supposed to be fulfilling your personal spiritual need that you see. You believe in a spirit. So fulfilling that need on special occasions, you use it. But keep it there. Don't bring it into school. Don't bring it into the workplace. Don't bring it into government. Don't bring it into education, etc. That is extreme. That's how they perceive it. But that is Islam. That is Islam. And that is what we need to get back to. We have been colonized. Suppressed. Overcome. Enslaved. Exploited all around the world. Our resources are not in our hands. And in that process, we were also indoctrinated, brainwashed into seeing Islam the way that they see religion. And that is the heritage that most of us, if not all of us, have inherited from our parents. Yes, do your namaz, do your salah, do your prayers. But don't be extreme. You have a life. You have a life to live. Pray on Fridays, it's good. In the days also, it's not bad, time to time. But don't be extreme. Be moderate. Not knowing that moderation means that we live our lives in accordance with Islam. We don't go to extremes whereby we go beyond the boundaries of Islam. This is where the extremism comes. It comes when we cross the bounds. The bounds which Allah has set. That's when you are extreme. Either to one side or to the other. But as long as you're doing Islam, as long as you're living Islam, it can never be extreme. It is not extreme. It is the way of life 
which Allah has prescribed for human beings. So this understanding, this consciousness, which is growing slowly in all parts of the ummah, the awakening taking place, it may not be said in these terms. People say it in many different terms. These are just the terms that I chose to speak about it in. But we all know there is an awakening. We all feel it in all of our countries, from all the different parts of the ummah that we have come. There is a consciousness now of what Islam is that was not understood 50 years ago, 100 years ago. It was not understood as it is now being understood. That's reality. However, that consciousness has to be guided. That consciousness has to be properly guided. Otherwise, it gets hijacked. Hijacked by those with limited knowledge who have their own agendas based on their own interpretations following the ways of other revolutionaries, social revolutionaries, whether it's Castro or it's Mao Zedong or Lenin or somebody out there who's done something, following their example instead of following the example of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They're looking in modern terms, trying to twist and uh, divert and, and warp the teachings of Islam so that they can fit into this particular channel. And that channel is a violent channel where they begin by unleashing violence against those who they perceive as the enemies of Islam. But shortly thereafter, you find them unleashing that violence against Muslims themselves in the name of Islam. That is an extreme expression. It has different names in different countries. The popular one we hear in the news now is Boko Haram in Nigeria. That's one we hear. Before we heard Qaeda. That was the big... Still we hear it from time to time. The Islamic State of Sham and were supposed to be fighting for the Islamic State in Syria and others. And brothers, please, the doors. Can you close the doors, please? With us open doors, hot air is coming in here and making it difficult for everybody here. The, the place is closed. 
The masjid is full. Can you just close the door and find a place? Thank you. So, that extreme wing that chooses violence as its root, distorting the image of Islam globally, harming Muslims, and not producing anything but destruction, corruption, and harm to the ummah. And on the other side, we have others who have gone to another extreme, that is the extremes of modernism. The extremes of modernism. Reinterpreting Islam in modern terms. Brothers, please close the door. Please close the door. There is no room. Close the door. Those brothers at the door there, can you just keep that door closed? Those who feel that Islam needs to be reinterpreted in these modern times. So, because there is an attack on Islam from a number of different perspectives, they start to compromise and say that though Islam says this, you know, that's ancient times and we have changed now and it's not anymore because this thing of cutting off hands, it's just cutting off heads. Prophet Muhammad married to Aisha. The law of apostasy. These are the things which Right now, the West is focusing on big, big issues. Forcing, trying to force Muslims to back off these rules, these laws, which are a part of our Sharia. And we find Muslims today in circles in Harvard, in big discussions and, you know, uh, debates, etc. You find Muslims, oh, no, 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 we don't really believe that. There's difference of opinion and all this kind of stuff. That's an extreme opinion. Extreme opinion to cut off a person's hand for stealing in Islam. Uh, the Quran is it not clear. Cut off their hands is not clear. Of course, when presenting this, we don't present it as meat cleaver in the hand saying we should cut off the hands of all thieves. This is our way. No, no, no. There are rules. There is a legal process. Evidence has to be brought. Circumstances have to be looked into. All these different things. After all of that, then yes. If you are found guilty, your hand will be amputated. That's the law. And we should not be ashamed of it. Because to be ashamed of it is to be ashamed of the Quran itself. And what does that say about someone's faith? Ashamed of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an. 
But it is the how. How do we present it? Of course, reality is that no matter how you present it, in the end, they want us to stop it. To cancel it. That is the bottom line. So, we cannot escape the attack. But if we have control of the media, then at least we can express our point of view. The point is we don't have access to the media. This is our big problem. We have not focused on the importance of the media in conveying the message of Islam to the world. So we have many channels. There are many Arab, national, Pakistani, you know, Indonesian, etc. channels around the world. But what is on those channels? Nonsense. Just nonsense. Those channels could be used for conveying Islam globally and conveying Islam nationally. But the consciousness of the Ummah has not reached that point. This is reality. There is what we would like and then there is the reality. But what concerns us most and what should concern us as individuals? You and I as individuals, we cannot buy a channel. We say, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's true, we should do it. Let's go out and buy a channel. No, we can't. Millions of dollars, we don't have the money. So, what does Allah expect of us? Towards defense of Islam, promotion of Islam. Allah wants us to live Islam. If all of us here for Jummah made that spiritual commitment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that when we leave the Jummah today, we will strive to make Islam our way of life in all of its aspects. What we don't know, we learn. As Allah told us, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِينَ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask those who know if you don't know. We find out. Truly, yes, of course, if you ask the average person, what do you need to do here, there, there, there? Oh, I'm not sure, I don't know. Find out. But have that commitment to know. Leave here with that commitment to live Islam. Make it real. We will make a difference. We will make a difference. We might not see it right now. This week. This month. But know that we will make a difference. So I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
to strengthen our hearts, to firm our feet, and to give us the courage to make that commitment to Him. As it is only the commitment to Him that matters. And we ask Allah to forgive what has gone before of our negligence, our ignorance, our malpractice, our disobedience, our sins. And to forgive the sins of our parents, our grandparents, our families. And we ask Him to turn those sins into righteous deeds. Living Islam. Living Islam means living every aspect of Islam. And the most important aspect about which we will be asked first on the Day of Judgment will be Salah. Salah. The last words of the Prophet ﷺ, leaving this world was as-salah, as-salah. Take care of the prayer. Look after the salah. As-salah. How do we live the salah? Well, first and foremost, we must know what the salah is. We need to know what are the goals of the salah and what are the means by which we get to those goals. Because if we are focused on the means and we don't understand the goals, then we cannot live the Salah. So, it is worth reflecting in order to bring our lives in conformity with Islam. It is worth reflecting on what are the means and the goals of Salah. The means we know, begin with wudu. Wudu. And they proceed to the outer movements that we learn, takbir, the things that we say, al-fatiha, prostration, bowing, sitting, those are the means. Those are the means. The salah is incorporated within the, that. But those are not the goals. Many people today have confused goals with means. 
So, we think that the goal of salah, what we are supposed to do, is wudu and the prayer. But, that is only the means. Because we think of the means as the goal, then we look at it as a burden. We look at it as a burden. Getting up for Fajr. Stopping what we're doing and going to pray Zuhur and Asr and Maghrib. Praying Isha. It's a burden which we take off our back at those different times. And we will do it quickly. Most of the times, we will do it quickly. As quick as possible. If we catch ourselves, maybe we slow down a bit, but otherwise, we do it quickly. Get it done, out of the way, finished, carry on with life. That's how we treat the salah. As if the salah was something we have to give Allah. You know, at these times of the day, we have this burden, we need to put it, okay, here it is, Allah. Here it is, here it is, there, done. But that is not salah. That is not the salah which Allah has prescribed. The living salah. That is a dead salah. That's a dead set of rituals that we go through daily. About which non-Muslims complain. Look at this guy. He prays. Five times, he's in the workplace, he's there, he's going, he's praying and... But he cheats us. He doesn't pay our salaries on time. He makes us work more than we're supposed to work. He lies. What is this salah? I've heard it. Many times from non-Muslims. What is the value of this salah, this prayer? And I have to say, I agree with you. I agree with you. That salah which that individual is making is valueless. It is a valueless prayer. Virtually. Maybe Allah gives him 1% or something, I don't know, I can't say zero. But virtually valueless, of no real value. Yes, he removed the obligation of prayer from himself. So okay, there is a value point. But the reward... The impact, the effect on his or her life, not there. 
So, how can salah be a part of a living faith? It's just a ritual. Which we are doing mechanically. Like robots. At those times that have been prescribed, we do it. But that is not the salah which was prescribed. Allah doesn't need our salah. We all agree. I'm sure there's nobody here who thinks, yeah, Allah needs my prayer. No. If you think that, then you don't know who Allah is. We all know, Allahu Samad. He has no need. He depends on no one. And all depends on him. So that salah is not for him. He didn't prescribe it out of a need that he had. That's what we do. When we tell people, do this, we have a need. They do it, we benefit in one way or another. But this is not Allah. That's us human beings. We have those needs. Allah has no need. So salah is prescribed for us. As a life-changing event. At five times a day. Seven days a week. Throughout our lives. It has been prescribed because we need it. Our worship of Allah is out of a need that we have. He prescribed it because we need to worship Him. All of that is for what? So that we can get the reward, the prize, Jannah, for which we were created. Allah created us for Jannah. But He gave us a choice. Some people say, well, so why did He give us a choice? Why didn't He just put us in Jannah and be done, finish? Huh? Why? Why do we have to go through all of this? Why didn't He just make us and put us in Jannah? Finish, end of story. We could just live happily ever after, finish. People ask that question. Because he already created angels. He already created angels. Who live happily ever after. He didn't want to create more angels. He wanted to create another set of beings. Who would choose to be there. 
So he created humankind. And he gave them a choice. For that choice to be meaningful, then there had to be hell. People ask, if this God of yours is a good God and he's all powerful, why did he make hell? Is he a good God? Yeah, he's a good God. So why, why, why hell? Why make hell if he's a good God? Is the question people ask. The point is that when he created beings with a choice, without there being hell, there's no choice. If there's only paradise, no choice. So then what was the point of the choice? Pointless. So for the choice to be real, hell is the natural consequence. There is heaven and there is hell. We choose which one we want to go to. So Salah, what is Salah about? Salah is to help us get to heaven. That's what Salah is all about. For us, we need it to help us to get to heaven. Simple. But the only Salah which will help us get to heaven is the living Salah. The real Salah. The way of life Salah. Not the ritual Salah. Dead. Rites. Acts. Empty. That is not going to do anything for us. So brothers... Sisters, as we make that commitment to leave today at the end of our Jummah, to leave with a new perspective on living Islam, making Islam real, begin with Salah. This is the beginning point. To make it real. And this topic is actually a huge topic. Not a topic which could be covered completely in the Jummah. Our time is limited. The Prophet ﷺ left us with a simple principle, a simple principle, sufficient in and of itself to make Salah real. If we can just grasp its implications and try to live its meaning, very simple, he said, Sallu salatam wadda'in. Pray 
the farewell prayer. Pray the prayer of one giving farewell to this life. Every one of us knows this. This doesn't require special understanding, special zikri of some people say you have to do this with your head and you have to. It is very straightforward. And that was the deen. Very clear, straightforward. It doesn't involve special practices and philosophies and you know, each and every one of us knows that if somebody told you you only have three minutes left in your life, only enough time to make wudu and make salah. How are you going to make that wudu? Like we do it now? Are we going to do it like that? Surely not. I think you all agree. We would not do it like that at all. We would be very carefully washing that Everything that we do, we do it so carefully, we try to do it perfectly. And the salah. No, no way. We would be, oh, Akbar. We know it. We know how we would do it. Nobody needs to teach us this. We just need to do it. Of course, it's not easy. It's not easy. Because we have so many distractions. But at least... Try to remember. And try to come as close as you and I can to that ideal. An ideal which is achievable. Not something which is on the moon that you can only look up at. This is something we actually can do. So I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us make our prayers farewell prayers. To make our wudu farewell wudus. To make our commitment to Islam that of one who has no other commitment in his or her life. To keep our hearts firm, to remove the doubts, and to raise our children 
fearing Allah as he deserves to be feared. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us long lives in righteousness and to bless us with righteous husbands and wives and righteous children and to give us at the end of this world an exit which is pleasing to him where our last words are la ilaha illallah seeking knowledge and obligation made easy thought about studying for a long time tuition fees keeping you from actually starting Islamic online university has led a revolution in online learning. The world's first tuition free degree, BA in Islamic studies. Access the knowledge any place, anytime, anywhere. It just doesn't get any easier than that. Classes, texts, assignments, completely online. Set your own schedule for the semester. No overseas travel required for the exams. Subjects taught by qualified English-speaking scholars. Weekly live sessions in virtual classrooms. With curricula based on those in El Medina University in Saudi Arabia. El Azhar University in Cairo. And other reputable institutions around the world. Why wait any longer? You pay just a symbolic registration fee and are ready to begin the adventure of higher education. The most diverse student body of any university in the world. 130,000 plus registered students from 217 countries. Log in to the website for more details. www.islamiconlineuniversity.com